Oh, but you can. So you may have to metaphorically make a deal with the devil. And by devil, I mean robot devil. And by metaphorically, I mean get your coat. is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I was pleasantly surprised for, what, nine-tenths of this episode? Most of this episode is good. It doesn't get really bad until, well, we'll get there. Yes, but the episode in question is Season 5, Episode 12, Souls of the Departed. Which means we are currently on Book 8, The Not-So-Good Place. Mm-hmm. It's the hell season. Oh, yay. And we're off to a misleadingly good start. It, this is part of the once upon a time formula, though. Of course. Of course. Seasons start out strong. In this case, it started out strong, and then it took a real sharp nosedive right at the end there. Yeah. I. You know what? I actually, I'm actually trying to remember back on this season. I think most episodes start out strong and then take a dive at the end. Hmm. And then the season as a whole will follow suit. So as a reminder, due to Dark One shenanigans, Hook is now dead, and Emma decided to go into the underworld to save him. Because Why? Exactly. Why? If you'll recall, he very recently attempted to send her entire family to hell. And then he tried to be like, oh, it's the Dark One, it wasn't me. Fuck you, man. You know what Emma did as the Dark One? Tried to destroy all darkness? Yes, she tried to destroy all dark magic. You know what Rumpelstiltskin did as the Dark One? Tried to keep his son safe and stop the Ogre War? Yeah, which, not a great success record, but... Yeah, neither of them were successful at it, but god damn it, Hook. Even anyway, the original Dark Ones, big crime, killing a warlord, and sealing Merlin in a tree. Not killing Merlin... Not sending Merlin's entire family to hell, sealing him in a tree, where he was still able to communicate with the outside world and have an apprentice and such. Be Arthur's shitty tree dad. But um, I think we got a little distracted getting angry at Hook. So yeah, Hook died. He's in hell. Emma is dragging a bunch of people to hell with her to get him out for some reason. Your basic storybook crew. The Charmings, Regina, Henry, Rumpelstiltskin, Robin Hood. Now, Once Upon a Time knows that we all have one big burning question that they have to deal with right at the start, which is, wait, if Emma's going to go into hell to save her true love, why would she not save Neil, the good one? Yeah, she and Neil, one of the things I like about them is that they didn't really have the show's traditional true love. They didn't have the grand sweeping romance. They had an actual relationship. Yeah, it's not the stereotypical Disney marrying a guy you just met that day. It's meeting a guy, developing a relationship, being set up as the fall person in their con. I mean, honestly, it did play into the tropes of a different genre. They had a meet cute. He was in the car that she was stealing. Speaking of their meet cute. Speaking of that car, which is Herbie the Love Bug. Yes, the opening of this episode recreates that meet cute. Emma wakes up and finds herself in her VW bug, and Neil pops up from the back seat just as he did when they first met. Yeah. 
they're at a fairground. The car is parked at a fairground, and which I think is an interesting callback to early in their relationship when Neil broke into that uh, amusement park with her, which was not super great on her part following some random dude to an amusement park. But... Yeah, usually not a good idea. This amusement park uh, is not Coney Island, but has a rundown Coney Island feel to it. It does. They're right outside. There's a haunted house on one side of them, and there's a roller coaster behind them. So Neil pops out out of the backseat of the car, and he's like, Hey, Emma, don't go to hell. It's a bad idea. Bad stuff happens in hell. Don't go to Zahadun! That's a Babylon 5 reference. Uh, so Neil asks Emma how's henry but what's up with henry and she's like henry's good henry's good he he he's a lot better now that he had a more stable childhood retconned into his past she tells neil that when he died if she had known she could go into hell and just get him back out she totally would have and neil's like uh i'm not in hell this isn't hell like i stopped you before you went fully into hell so we could have this conversation so I could check on Henry, who I love very much, which you should definitely tell him when you have a conversation about this meeting. But the underworld's a place for people with unfinished business. I finished my business enough. I mean, you killed Zelina, right? Because that's, that's what I died for. I died so you would have the information that would allow you to stop Zelina once and for all. And Emma's like, uh... God damn this show. But no, he's like, yeah, I'm in the same vague heaven place Buffy was in. So definitely do not pull me out of there. I will be super pissed and fuck an emo vampire. Yes, I will be very pissed and I will have sex with Spike if you pull me out of heaven. But also, don't go to hell. You're too good for Hook. It's not worth damning your whole family for eternity over this thing. And then he gets out of the car. And as he gets out of the car, we see the name of the roller coaster behind them, which is Revelation. Which is the worst kind of single entendre. Because there's no way a roller coaster would be called Revelation. I don't even really get what they're going for there. It's, is it biblical? I think it's, it's. I think it feels biblical, but it's also like... Emma is getting a revelation. I think it's... Except she's not. Well, I mean, I think it's to distinguish, honestly, that this is a dream that is real. Like, this is actually Neil appearing to her. This isn't just Emma having a dream. Hmm. It would be weird if she was just having a dream. Like, did she nod off when they were rowing to hell? So she does wake up so to speak, inside Karen the Ferryman's boat. Yes, they arrive on the dock of Hell. Hell is basically Forks, Washington from uh, the Twilight movies. Yes, it's very, very foggy. It's very foggy, and it starts out blue, but then it quickly goes all Wizard Sepia? of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. And... Shocker, Hell looks exactly like Storybrooke. It's so weird that Hell looks like the set they already have. The only way that you know you're in Hell is that the top of the clock tower, instead of being at the top of the clock tower, is lying broken in the street. Also, it's full of angry dead people. Oh, also the sepia tone. And Regina's like, I don't think we're in Maine anymore. And I'm like, really? 
we got we just got Zelina out of the show temporarily. You don't need to start loading on the Oz references. Because I was thinking I've never been to Maine, but how do you know? It looks exactly like where you just left. Except sepia tone. Also, gas is 15 cents in hell. I don't know what to do with that piece of information. Yeah, we see it's, I guess it's supposed to look like a slightly crappier version of Storybrooke. They, uh, we're going down the main stretch and one of the many, one of Storybrooke's many, many car garages is, uh, there. We see sort of a wreckage version of Emma's bug, which I think is an interesting touch. Yeah, it's Emma's bug, except it's clearly been on fire at some point. Yeah. Huh. Well, we do know that cars can go to hell because we see Cruella's car driving around, presumably with Cruella in it. Yes, and Emma sees it, realizes it's Cruella, and Rumpelstiltskin kindly reminds her that Cruella is there because Emma killed her. Yeah, remember that time you pushed her off a cliff with light magic? But this is important. He points out most of the people in this town are there because they were killed by, fighting for, fighting against one of the people in the storybook crew or another. So, you know, everyone needs to be watching their back. I'm sure we'll have to deal with one of the thousands of people David killed at some point in this season, right? Oh yeah, it's definitely going to come up. Anyway, as they walk past the Snow Queen's ice cream store, we don't see the Snow Queen, sadly. Well, I feel like her business was fairly thoroughly wrapped up by the end of that season. That's true. She's probably not in the in-between place here. Honestly, I'm sort of surprised this many people had unfinished business. I mean, unless your unfinished business could be anything like, oh, I was meaning to do the dishes and then I died. And then you're in this place forever. Oh, well, I was raised Catholic, so I believe most people go to purgatory with unfinished business and then eventually get to heaven as opposed to most people go up to heaven. Now, I don't know a ton about Greek mythology. Much like the writers of this episode. Well, I know more than them. But I've read my Edith Hamilton. I've watched TV shows vaguely based on Greek mythology. I've seen my fair share of Xena. But I was always under the impression from various media, granted, but that most people, when they die, end up in Tartarus. Not the painful, awful part of Tartarus, but just sort of the vague place you go if you die without being a hero. Yeah. Because the illusion fields are reserved for hero heroes, and everyone else... Or mothers of heroes. Or mothers of heroes. And everyone else just kind of mills around in the afterlife for eternity. So this actually does kind of work. Yeah. I feel like it's borrowing more from the Greek ideas of the afterlife than say christian that's true anyway our heroes walk past the the ice cream shop any given sunday and we see a guy outside scrawling the most unimaginative graffiti i have ever seen which is closed he's just spray painting closed on the plate glass window huh this mysterious man exchanges significant eye contact with regina so we'll know you know these two have history. Yes, and that eye contact sends us right into a flashback. Yes, Regina, as the evil queen, is flouncing dramatically into a village. 
I don't know how many times when we were watching this episode, I involuntarily squealed, oh my god, she's gorgeous. It was a lot. I was there. She's so gorgeous. She is. I really like the giant necklace she's got in this outfit. Yes, that is a statement piece. It turns out it's Regina's birthday in this flashback, and one of the filthy peasants in this village has brought her a pie, which Lana Perea sticks her finger into and then licks the filling off of in what has to be an incredibly confusing moment for that peasant. It was incredibly graphic. And she's like, mmm, blueberry, but I prefer apple. And the peasant's like, I I don't know what you want me to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) The peasant's like, apples aren't in season. This is not the modern day when you can really buy any fruit in a grocery store because of factory farming. (laughs) Regina goes off on a completely different tangent where she's like, but none of you has the thing I really want. Snow White's heart. And she gets ready to rip out the blueberry girl's heart when the skeezy dude we saw in the underworld comes up from behind and he's like, hey, I know where Snow White is, but I'm going to want a little something for that information. Regina is not a good boss here. Okay, I was thinking this wasn't a good negotiating tactic because Regina is clearly in a fit. You do not want to be interrupting her and asking her for money at this point and drawing attention to yourself. Yeah, like, this girl was very clearly trying to curry favor by being the first one to bring Regina a present on her birthday. And she nearly got her heart ripped out just for being there. So maybe don't be like, hey... I know where you can get the thing you want, but only if you give me money. Yeah, no, stand in the back and don't look distinctive. So Regina's like, here's a hot alternate offer. You give me what I want and I kill you quickly, or I'm just going to torture you to death. How's that sound? So she demands to know where Snow White is, and Snow White declares, I'm right behind you. And Regina just snaps the dude's neck. And Snow White says, you won't hurt anyone else. She just not killed- Not counting that guy, I guess. Yeah, not counting the dude she just killed. Okay, this episode has an absurdly high body count. Like, let's just start keeping track of the gratuitous death in this episode. Because it's one thing if it's an episode that has a war or a battle scene or, like, where a main character dies in a meaningful way. Let's just talk about the gratuitous death in this episode, starting with this guy. Okay. You know, actually, I said it's high. It might just be two, but they're both so meaningless. Uh, I think it's three. It's three dudes. Oh, right, right, right. I was forgetting about that one. It's three dudes, but on the other hand, it's all incredibly petty, like... We've seen Regina set wedding parties on fire and stuff because she was grumpy. But I feel like this wasn't really a big part of the show early on, where Regina was just sort of casually killing peasants. But it feels like every time we see a flashback now, she's just murdering people all willy-nilly. So I think early on, the idea was they wanted us to have sympathy for Regina. So they really made us understand what made her become the evil queen. And because they wanted us to have sympathy for her, we didn't see a lot of gratuitous death like we do in this episode. But now the threat is Regina is earning her redemption. So if she has something that she needs to be redeemed from, then when we have the flashback, she can be like hammy 
evil, killing this nameless guy for no reason. I mentioned last episode that I'm not really as angry at Regina for all of the horrible things she does to people as I was towards Hook for the one very evil thing we see him do. And I think that's because we just see Regina kill people. Uh Uh-huh. But they know there's an afterlife. They have context for there being an afterlife. Hook was purposely trying to trap people in the bad afterlife, which just feels a lot worse to me. So I feel like there's a difference between killing people and sending people directly to hell. Okay, I think the difference, because you're right, I do have more sympathy for Regina than I do for Hook. I think the difference is what we talked, what we used to talk about a lot on the show, which was the difference between epic fantasy violence and real world gritty violence. Mm-hmm. What Hook was doing was presented as real, whereas this is honestly kind of cartoonish. I know she just killed a guy, but it is not being presented to us as this is an actual guy with family and feelings. Like, especially, especially the last death we're going to get in this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, we should keep going because we have a lot to say when we get to that death. So everyone's already ignoring the corpse of this guy. That's another thing. Everyone seems to generally ignore it when Regina kills someone, which kind of lends credence to her murders not really having any weight. Snow is like, you're not going to hurt anyone else while this guy's body is cooling by Regina's heels. You're surrounded, Regina, from one side with people with arrows, which we've seen she can deflect. And we literally just saw her killing someone by waving her fingers. I know this is the issue with every scene with the evil queen in Snow White, but there's really no reason for her to nope out of here. The fact is, she can't bring herself to kill Snow White. Oh, is this a Glorian Ben thing? Absolutely. But she does, as you say, nope out of there. She says, you're lucky it's my birthday, and teleports away. What was Snow's plan there, though? Snow is like, we've got you surrounded on one side, sort of. You better give up right now. I mean, I guess her best case scenario was Regina just leaving, which is what happened. I think her best case scenario, I mean, Snow's kind of... Dumb. Yeah. I think her idea was that Regina would give herself up, and then they would take her in and arrest her, and then say they were going to execute her, and then not, because Snow can't kill Regina any more than Regina can kill Snow. Mm. So, Regina goes back to her castle, where she's being harassed by her Victorian ghost father, who's not actually a ghost, he just looks like one. Yeah, that's an important distinction, because we will see him in hell. He's all, would you stop trying to get revenge on the 12-year-old girl who betrayed you? Yeah, if you're still honked off about Daniel, your mom was the one who killed him. Why don't you get revenge on her? And she's like, shut up, dad. You don't know me. (laughs) Quick reminder that Regina has a kind and loving relationship with her father, despite the fact that he stood by and allowed her to be horrifically abused by her mother for her entire childhood, and nobody has any issues with him. Yeah, he's played as the good dad, which is weird because he's not really. I mean, I guess he also didn't really have any power in that relationship. Women get so much shit when they don't protect their kids from abusive fathers, but somehow this father gets a pass for letting Cora, I mean, destroy Regina. Whatever, I have no sympathy for Henry. 
Old Henry. Old Henry. So Old Henry's like, you should get over this thing with Snow. And Regina's like, eh, you know what? No. And then Old Henry's like, oh, if only her mother were here. She was the only one who could control her, which... What? Yeah. What? Her mother's the reason she's like, you pointed that out. And also, her mother couldn't control her. That's why her mother's stuck in Wonderland now. Like, she spent her entire child and young adult life rebelling against Korra and only stopped long enough to trick Korra into being pushed into a magic mirror. Yeah, it's like this he... show is really, really bending itself out of shape to try to get Korra back into this episode. So we cut from that to hell. To Regina's office in hell, except it's not Regina's office here. Oh my goodness, the chair swivels around, revealing that Cora is in fact the mayor of hell. Yeah, the dude who got his neck snapped in the village is reporting to her, and he's like, hey, your daughter just showed up in hell, and she's like, excellent. So Snow heads to Granny's in hell? Yes, the storybook crew has split up to look for Hook. Honestly, I have to say, it was not clear until, like, midway through this episode... Because we ended with deciding to go to hell, and we opened with arriving in hell. But they have no plan. They really, really don't. They have no way to get back out of hell. I also feel like this is a thing where the characters don't have a plan. I feel like the writers also might not have had a plan here. Yeah, the writers were like, let's throw them into hell and figure it out along the way. I mean... It's not like Hook's going to get any more dead if you waited a couple of days. Funny you should say that. Hmm. Uh, okay. Anyway, Snow walks into Granny's diner. Except it's not Granny's here. No, here the diner is run by the witch from Hansel and Gretel. The blind witch. Emma Caulfield. Oh, I love you, Emma Caulfield. Now, we're going to see more of her throughout the season. Not as much as I'd like. But... It is a little disappointing because if you remember her basically one scene from season one, she leaned really heavily into horror movie tropes. And it was one of the few scenes in Once Upon a Time that actually was kind of scary. Like it had a real atmosphere around it. She had that house full of bones. Yeah. And she had that like really creepy way of moving and it it was a lot of very small, very disturbing moments. She doesn't really get that so much here. She's more a comic relief cannibal, if that's a thing. That's 100% a thing. She's like, oh, Snow White, I recognized you the minute I smelled you. Would you like some gingerbread or some children? Gingerbread's disgusting. So you'd go for the children there. I mean... It's not my first choice. Also, side note, there are a lot of kids in hell we'll see over the course of this season. Well, I think children have the most unfinished business. Uh, I believe it's been said before that hell is for children. Oh, no. No. So Mary Margaret basically doesn't react at all to being offered children to eat. This This whole bit is basically just Emma Caulfield talking to herself. She's like, no, I'm just kidding. We don't ha- actually have children. Uh, but the gingerbread's pretty good. I kind of really like the next exchange where Snow White says she's looking for a man with black hair and a hook. And Emma Caulfield says, oh, you mean Captain Hook? And Snow says, oh, you know him? And Emma Caulfield's <laughs> like, 
No. He's the only fairy tale character wandering around with a hook. So I kind of, I'm not. I assumed. I possess deductive reasoning. So someone who looks an awful lot like David walks in and Mary Margaret's like, David, you changed clothes, which doesn't strike her as suspicious at all. No, but it's okay. David grabs her for some non-consensual kissing, so she thinks it must be David. Oh, oof. But no, it turns out we are finally getting some play out of the fact that David has an identical twin brother who is evil, because this is James. Yes. This really isn't played for as much drama as it should be, because she's like, oh, you're, you're James, right? And he's like, yep, I'm James. Tell Dave that there's a new sheriff in town, and then he just kind of wanders off. And I love when people call David Dave it's because pretty... it's so inappropriate and hilarious. He's the Dave of the group. He is the Dave of the group. Also, just to be clear, James is literally the new sheriff in town. Yes, he is the evil sheriff of hell. Yes. Well, technically, this is Hell's waiting room. It's true, it's Hell's waiting room. So he vaguely wanders off and David vaguely wanders in and he's like... He's literally walking out the door while David is walking in. It's set up to be a a farce, a comedy of errors, but it's not. David just walks in and is like, was that my evil twin walking out? Yeah, yeah. James walks out the back door as David walks in the front door and David kind of no-sells the interaction. He's like, oh, huh, evil twin brother in hell. Who'd have thunk? Also... The theme of this episode is going to be not telling people things for no reason. I feel like David and Mary Margaret should kind of clue in the rest of the storybook crew that David has an evil twin in hell wandering around, so keep an eye out, but nobody does. Emma comes in with Mr. Gold, and she's like, so has anyone seen Hook? And Mary Margaret's like, no, we really should have probably made a plan before coming here. Yeah, they should have, like made a quadrant map of Storybrooke and decided who was going to take which areas and kind of, like, done it in an organized fashion. Or, here's a hot take, locator spell? Fishaw. But Emma's like, maybe he didn't go to, I mean, this is Hell's waiting room, maybe he went straight to actual Hell? Even though Neil just told her that he is here. But Rumple's like, no, he's in Hell's waiting room. But I'm done being a team player. I'm going to regurgitate the same things I said at the beginning of season three about how I need to do this myself and go off and have my own subplot. So I'm going to go wander off, take care of stuff by myself, whatever, goodbye. Okay, this is really dumb for many reasons. But one of the big ones is that nobody told Rumple that he couldn't just come up with the plan to find Hook. None of these people have a plan. I'm sure they would have been very excited to follow his plan. Yeah, they would have done whatever he said, but nope. He's like, fuck all y'all, I'm out of here. So then Henry comes in, and Henry wants to talk to Emma about the fact that where's his dad? Yes, it's a really small detail, but I really like it. The fact that he was looking in the room that uh, Neil was staying in when Neil was in Storybrooke. Yeah. And he's like, I I was looking for dad, and I, I didn't see him. And Henry Emma's- wasn't looking for Hook. Oh. Yeah. When did Henry become the best character in this show? I don't know. It's weird, right? It is. But it's okay because Emma just saw Neil, so she can tell Henry that he's okay and in heaven. Mm. We'll get back to that in a bit. So we cut from that to 
Robin and Regina wandering around, not Storybrooke, and okay, I mean, this is kind of my this is kind of my thing that I'm like really into. Mm-hmm. Robin says it looks the same as Storybrooke, and yet it's off, which is the definition of the uncanny, the unfamiliar from the familiar, mm-hmm. um, which is the basis of haunted house stories and ghost stories. So. I just like that they're calling out that uncanny is the theme for this season. Or at least it's the idea of the theme for this season. Later the theme will be bad CGI hair and and unthought out romantic relationships. Uh, see, I was going to say spinning wheels is the theme for this season. Oh, that's going to come up in a second. In one case, literally. Yes. Remember, this is the this is the season where... We find out that Oh my god. Regina and Robin are stopped in their wandering by <gasps> It's that guy whose neck she snapped for no reason. I really feel like he should be someone. Yeah, this character is massively, massively underdeveloped. It's weird, but yeah. Yeah, but he's been following them and he says someone wants to see you, so I guess we won't be putting off that meeting, which is good. If this was the, if this really was the Peter Pan season, Cora and Regina wouldn't actually make contact with each other until like episode three. Mm. We we're calling this chapter the not so good place, and one of the things that's really good about the good place is that it's always moving forward. There's there's literally an episode which is just all about the same thing repeating over and over again and yet the story is always progressing and i feel like that's something that's vastly lacking here well i mean as we bring up this show is from the showrunners of lost Mm. and when greg daniels and company were getting ready to make the good place they actually sat down with damon lindelof also of lost fame and asked him what he would do differently. They asked him what he had done wrong, and he told them. And that's what they took with them when they went in to make The Good Place. So this is actually a really good comparison, to compare the way that the structure of The Good Place really abandons the episodic structure to tell us a coherent story that moves forward, but still utilizes the medium of television in a way that, like, a movie couldn't. I also think it works in that it's a closed narrative. Like, they've talked about how there is an end point to the good place. They're just getting from point A to point B to point C. And they have an end point. They have a point C. And looking at shows like, let's say, Gravity Falls, a lot of these kind of ongoing fantasy-esque shows really do benefit, or avatar the last airbender okay i'm sorry to only use children's cartoons for this and the good place but a lot of these stories really benefit with having a closed narrative okay i'm gonna bring up a show that i am still watching Mm. and enjoying a show that i am still enjoying that is not a fantasy show and is not for children and that's Grey's anatomy all right once upon a time it's okay if they don't know what the end point is as long as they aren't afraid to move things forward, it's the combination of not having an end point and maintaining the status quo that makes it hard to watch. Like, if they let Regina have redemption and then moved on to the next story, that would be more interesting to watch. But no, we have to watch her fighting for redemption over and over and over again. 
This is honestly one of the issues with superhero comics as a whole that status quo is king. Yeah, all growth is basically an illusion, which is why I like stuff like when they let Peter Parker get married, when they let Superman get married, when they let them have kids, because it does give you the illusion of growth, the illusion of change, the illusion that things are moving forward, that you're not just stuck in the same patterns over and over again. Which can lead to interesting things, repeating pattern. like, you can deconstruct a repeating pattern. There are narratives that are built around that. Well, like, take the episode of The Good Place that repeats over and over again. Yeah. And honestly, take Once Upon a Time when it's good. You can do a really good job looking at a repeating narrative. But we're sort of beyond that, where they're just repeating the tropes without any further explanation of it. It's just going back to a story because it's familiar. Yes. So we go from that to the fairy tale flashback. Speaking of repeating things because they're familiar, Regina's doing a he loves me, he loves me not, except she's just plucking all of the petals off a black rose while listing off all of the things she hates about Snow White. I know, it's like 10 petals I hate about you. Including the fact that she hangs around with sweaty child beasts. Yeah, she has to get some fairy tale racism in there. It's like charmed in leprechauns. Even Regina's enabling father is like, honey, they prefer to be called dwarves. And Regina's like, I don't care what they want to be called. They're disgusting. Well, they don't leave corpses all over the place, Regina, so. Mm. She doesn't leave corpses all over the place. She has her people clean them up. So she stomps out of the room because her dad refuses to enable her fairy tale racism. So once she's out of the room, her father goes to the mirror. The magic mirror, which it's good to see Sydney again. Right? Albeit briefly, he's like, hey, you need to call you know who. And Sydney's like, not you know who. You don't know what kind of horrible things would happen if you contact her. And old Henry's like, come on. And Sydney's like, eh, okay. And he contacts Cora. Yeah, okay. As soon as old Henry calls Cora, he's like, you need to help me with Regina. And Cora's like, well, how about if I help her kill Snow White? And old Henry's like, I don't even know why I called you. And it's like, man, we don't know either. What were you expecting? You were married to her for a very long time. Why were you expecting her to be helpful in this situation? He's like... We need to talk to Snow White to help them sort this out. And Cora's like, or we could just kill Snow White. That would make Regina happy. But what I do like about this scene is that through the mirror, we see Wonderland. And we see how, like, bright and shiny it is. And how bright and shiny everything in it, including Cora, is. And then after Old Henry leaves the room, when Cora breaks out of the mirror and steps into the castle... Even her outfit changes and becomes darker. It is really good. And it reminds me a lot of uh, when Rumpel went to Hammerverse. Yes, yes. And everything was black and white. Yeah, I do kind of like them coding the different lands with these different uh, color corrections. I think it's a really good idea. I know we did just trash them for a long time for hell just being storybook sepia toned, though. Eh. That's because that was a lazy choice. Yes. That was, what's the set we already have? So, in Hell, Regina is brought to her slash, I guess, Cora's office here. And 
it's actually kind of a sweet moment. Right. Remember that the last time we saw Korra, the very last thing that happened is that Regina put her heart back into her. And so for the first time in years, Korra felt again. And she died feeling love for her daughter and regret at everything she had done. Yeah. And on a sartorial note, Korra is dressed in a boss mayoral pantsuit, just like Regina was when she was mayor. It looks really good. Korra's like, it's good to see you. And Regina's like, it's good to see you. How How's it going? And Korra's like, well, hell, but fine other than that. Look, you need to get out of here. Hell is terrible. Just take Henry, take that dude you're banging, and go home. You don't want to be here. I actually like this because Cora does love Regina now. She does want what's best for Regina, including banging Robin, if that's what makes Regina happy. But she's still Cora, so she's still like, your ties to your friends make you weak. Take the things that make you happy and escape from hell. Yeah, she's like, you really, really need to get out of here. And if you don't, I'm sorry, but there, there's going to be consequences. I'm going to have to do something really, really shitty. And Regina's all, what are you going to, we're, we're in hell, what are you going to do? And, and Cora says, I will show you. So you know how in TV shows when they're like, it's easier if I just show you. And then we cut to the next scene and you have to imagine that they had that really weird, awkward car ride. But here that doesn't happen because Cora has an amazing superpower. She remembers that she can teleport. My god, she's like the most powerful character on the show. So Cora teleports them all to, I don't know, the pit of fire somewhere else in Hell's Waiting Room? Yes, this is extra hell. Concentrated hell. Super hell. Yes, and Cora uses her magic to have the flames come up. And engulf that guy. You know, the graffiti guy that Regina killed? Yeah, that guy that Regina killed back in that village. The guy who was spying for Korra. Korra brought him along for the ride. And then once they were all there, she's like, See, look, there's super hell. And she, you know, bippity-boppity-boos a fire hand up. It grabs the guy and pulls him into super hell. And she's like, Your dad's also here, too. And I'm going to send him to super hell unless you take young Henry, you take Robin, and you just get out of here. She tells Regina that in hell, essentially, you either get sucked into super hell or you resolve whatever it is that's holding you back and you go up to heaven. But Regina has a third option. Regina can just get the fuck out. Yeah, apparently that's still an option she has. Eh, but if she doesn't, then her mom's going to... Send her dad to super hell. Yep. Old Henry will be in super hell. I know this is a thing that is well known, but hey, I just realized Regina killed both of her parents. Yeah. I mean, Snow's really more to blame for... Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Regina is a self-made orphan. So Rumpel goes back to his shop to get something to help him out. Oh, look, there's a spinning wheel in the shop. I mean, it's his spinning wheel, but it's also physically spinning. Also, Chip. So I guess Chip was a kid who got turned into a cup and then died. Because that cup's been smashed a lot of times. So the soul of that cup is now in hell. I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, we get a quick flashback to Rumple telling Belle that he's going to go into hell. 
which she doesn't really question because she's like, oh, I get it. You're a hero now. And he's like, yeah, and my blood can ferry them back and forth, apparently, I guess. His blood can summon the ferryman? Eh, it's a really quick scene just to establish, I don't know. That he left Belle behind, I think. God, this is season three all over again. It is. Speaking of season three, he sees in the shop his little straw doll. You mean the Peter Pan doll? Mm-hmm. And speak of the boy devil, when Rumple goes to get whatever he wants out of the safe of convenience, you know, that safe that always has whatever he wants in it. Yes. He's interrupted by... <gasps> it's actual Peter Pan, who... Super convenient for this show that that kid appears to have not aged since the Peter Pan season. Yeah, he looks a little taller, but other than that, he is that thing that kid from Love Actually had, well, where he's in his, like, 20s, but he still looks basically the same. He's still got the baby face. Yeah. Anyway, Peter Pan tells Rumple that this is his shop now. So, just real quick. Mm-hmm. So, here in Storybrooke, Peter Pan runs the pawn shop. Yes. Cora is the mayor, and James is the sheriff. So in hell, you are required to do whatever job your nearest living relative is doing on Earth. Hmm. So my question is, is the blind witch related to Granny? <gasps> wow. The people want to know. Wow. Good question. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Also, what are Snow's parents up to? Are they being terrible teachers? Are they molesting birds? Are they briefly mayor before immediately giving up? <laughs> that that one is the most likely. Because I feel like they both kind of died with unfinished business. They're both Did they? I mean, I feel like they were both terrible people who did all of the terrible things that they set out to do. And also then they had a terrible daughter to carry on their terribleness. And they all lived terribly ever after. Just saying. Peter Pan gives Rumple the thing he was looking for, and he's like, so if you could do me a solid and, like, trade my soul with one of the souls of the living so I could go back up there and, you know, keep doing stuff, and Rumple's like, hard pass. I did kind of die in order to kill you for some reason. It's really weird that as much as this is season three all over again, here we are rehashing the finale from last week. Yeah, that's going to be a thing, too. Anyway, Pan gives Rumple what he was looking for as a token of goodwill so that Rumple will think about how much he wants to replace one of his living companions with the soul of his dead father that he died to kill, but then his own son died to bring him back. So, kind of, this is what you're talking about, about stories being cyclical. Hmm, Yeah. And this is kind of what you were talking about, about everything being terrible. So I get what they're doing here, and you know what it reminds me of a lot? What's that? It really reminds me of the first episode of season seven of Buffy. When we get our first look at the first, when it starts cycling through all of the big bads up until that point. Yes. Where it's a whole lot of promise for no payoff. Yeah, the first is a lot of no payoff, isn't it? Because you could honestly do something really cool with all of the big bads from Once Upon a Time coming back. Yeah. I mean, it could be like a gauntlet of the heavy hitters of this universe. I mean, everybody knows the best part of Disney is its villains. 
Yeah. And Once Upon a Time does live or die on its villains, and I guess that would be the downside to bringing back all of the villains. Because they've been pretty hit or miss. I am looking forward to seeing more of Cruella. I was going to say, yeah, they could just bring back the hit ones. Yeah. Wow, we're talking a lot about stuff that happened in the past in Once Upon a Time, so that we do not have to talk about what's happening now. We should get into what's happening now. Well, what's happening now is Regina literally recapping the scene we just saw to Mary Margaret, where Mary Margaret's like, Wow, you mean if you don't leave with Robin and Henry, your mom's going to send your dad to extra hell? And Regina's like, Yes, if I don't leave right now with Henry... And Robin, my mom's going to send my dad to extra hell. Yeah, David's immediately like, yeah, you can't go because we all said we were going to help Emma, so we have to help Emma. And Emma's like, no, I don't want my girlfriend to die. You should go and you should take my son. The two of you should definitely not die. The weird thing is, Emma's like, you should go. I shouldn't have brought all of you down here. If anyone wants to peace out, they can peace out. And David's like, no, no one's going to leave until we get Hook out, which... Wow, you're super invested in this, dude. So Rumple comes in to Granny's, where I don't get why this is still the place they're all meeting. I mean... It's the set they have. Also, there are a lot of damned people in here. It's, I think, busier than we see it in the real world. Rumple has got the enchanted beer from Dunbra. Well established. Yes. The beer that when you pour it out over someone's grave their ghost appears and you can talk to them. So he's like, okay, just pour it on Hook's grave, ask him where he is, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Emma's like, we didn't have time to bury Hook. We immediately went to hell. And Rumpel's all, everyone has a grave in hell, so. Okay. That's actually going to be important later this season. As soon as you arrive in hell, there is a gravestone for you there. They give them an arbitrary ticking clock, which is that they have half an hour until the boat leaves, I guess? Okay. (laughs) I don't really understand where that came from, but they have half an hour till the boat leaves. And as I said, no one else has any plan for how they're going to get out of here. So they have half an hour to find Hook and get on the boat, or else it's going to be a whole thing trying to figure out how to get out of hell. Y'all, guess which one it's going to be. It's going to be a whole thing trying to figure out how to get out of hell. Spoilers. So back in the past, Mary Margaret is meeting up with old Henry. He has called for a meeting, and she has shown up alone, but still holding him at bow point because Mary Margaret is never unarmed. So she's got a bow pulled on old Henry when (gasps) another old Henry appears from behind her. And when she turns around to look at the other old Henry, the first old Henry turns into Cora and rips out her heart from behind Yes. It's nice we're seeing more of that. And Cora tells the heart, go away, forget this happened, and enjoy your last few hours. Which I guess means that she's going to go bone David? (laughs) She said enjoy your last few hours. Oh. So Cora's like, come on, we got an awesome birthday gift for our daughter. And old Henry just kind of shrugs and follows her. Well... We know that's not all he does, but we'll get to that. I honestly don't understand how they get from this point A to the point B we see later in the episode. Yeah, there's a couple big flaws with that. Starting with the fact that, to my knowledge, old Henry does not have the ability to rip out hearts. Hmm. I I have a theory about that. I think I might have the same theory. Something just occurred to me, and I bet it's your theory. Yeah. 
So back in hell, they're at hell's graveyard and they find Hook's grave and Emma pours out the enchanted beer and weird jump cut ghost Hook appears. Yeah, like everyone else is in a sepia-toned Nicholas Sparks movie at the graveyard, except for Hook, who is in a Japanese horror film, flickering in and out. See, I was going to say an early 2000s American attempt at doing a Japanese horror film. Yes, of course, of course. He's he's in .com for murder, actual movie. Wow. Anyway, he's flickering in and out. He's clearly very bloody. He can't hear Emma, who's trying to get him to say where he is. Regina starts sort of panicking because she's like, okay, we're no closer to finding Hook and it looks like he's in real danger. And I was like, yeah, you should take our son and get out of here. And David's like, no, everyone needs to stay. If if Cora can find a way out of hell, we can. And Regina's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I get, I get both sides. I get that Emma wants her girlfriend and son to be safe, and I get that Regina doesn't want to leave her girlfriend in hell. So take Emma. If David's so hot to find Hook in hell, leave him behind. No, Emma would be so mad if you took her out of hell before she could find Hook. Don't know why. Yeah, he tr- I need, I need to get- I need to get over that. I will not be over that for- Hook sent her- Hook trying to send her entire family to hell is going to be the new baby in a death pit. Just giving you a heads up there, because I'm not getting over that anytime soon. Hook tried to send her whole family to hell doesn't roll off the tongue as smoothly as Baby Death Pit, so we're going to have to find a way to abbreviate it. Anyway, back in the flashback. Holy shit, you guys. Okay, so Regina is looking at her giant goth-as-hell birthday cake when the world's creepiest jester pops up in front of her face. Yeah, he's like, make a wish. She's like, I wished you were funny and look, didn't come true. And then she just kills him. The second guy in this episode that she just kills by waving her hand. She doesn't even wave her hand. She just kind of looks at him hard and he falls over dead. I love the musicians are like, oh, fuck. But they have to keep playing because, you know. Yeah. Uh. Regina, by the way, is wearing a new gown now. It's like a two-faced gown that's half black and half red. It's amazing. It looks really cool. I'm surprised this many people came to her birthday party, but I guess you also don't want to piss her off by not showing up. I'm actually kind of surprised she threw one in the first place. Her dad probably made her and she did it to make him happy, but now she's miserable. Yeah, she definitely does not want all of these people here. And you know who she really doesn't want there? Her mom, even though her mom did come with a boss-ass gift. Yes, her mother shows up and gives her Snow's beating heart. I want to point out this heart doesn't have any evil in it, so we know it's not Snow's. Also, it doesn't have any evil in it. Yeah. It is a relatively plain heart. This is a heart of a good person who probably doesn't deserve to die. Yeah. Anyway, Regina gets super excited, and they bring in the magic mirror so that she can watch Snow suffer. And then they do, like, the Christmas carol thing, where she sees Snow surrounded by all of her friends, celebrating how much Regina sucks. Yeah, they're all they're all toasting Regina on her birthday, and they're like, Ha ha, happy birthday, Regina. May she spend the rest of her days killing random peasants and not us. Ha 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 ha. Okay, then Regina starts to squeeze the heart 
Snow jumps up and there's something going on in her chest. Yeah, she's all like trying to loosen her blouse and she's all brushing at her chest. And then... Jimmy Cricket pops out of her cleavage. What the fuck? This season has officially gone off the rails. He's a human dude who's just like in cricket shape. And they're all laughing. No, that's creepy. That's creepy and weird. Also well-timed. Right? Pretty convenient that just as Regina started squeezing your heart, Jiminy decided to get frisky in your cleavage? What is even happening? Why are they all so cool at this? Everyone's laughing. That's really weird. I, I know I love it when my friends dive in between my boobs and start messing around down there. I mean, what? Weird. Yeah. Anyway, Regina realizes that the heart in her hand is not Snow's, and she crushes it, and one of her guards drops dead. Now, Regina turns around, and she is super pissed. No one kills her guards except her. I mean, I guess she did. No, nobody cares that this guard is dead. Yeah, she is a who did this. Ooh, and I it weirdly just kind of cuts to later when everyone has left and her dad pops in and he's like, uh, it was me. Yeah, it's weird they avoided the thing before with teleportation where you start a sentence at the end of one scene and then begin it at the next, but then they fell into it here. Yeah. Where Regina's like, who did this? And in the next scene, her father's like, I did. Where it's clearly later, everyone's cleared out. Blah, and blah. somebody moved the body. Yes. And... Old Henry comes in, he's like, I did it. If you crushed her heart, it's not something you could ever come back from. Killing a person means you're evil forever. Okay, so it's cool, it's totally cool that she just killed that guy? Yeah, like, I saved you from being evil by making sure you killed a perfectly ordinary dude who, I'm assuming, was pressed into service by Cora? I assume, well, I assumed that Regina has the hearts of all of the guards, and that's why they serve her. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I was thinking, although it, it was referred to uh, as Cora's heart collection. Oh, so you were thinking that Cora originally enslaved all of those guards. Yeah. That makes sense. Which also makes it pretty fucked up that David kills them all the time, but, eh. That's, like, the least of our worries right now, because nobody cares that this guard was just slaughtered. Yeah, he probably had, you know, dreams and hopes and a family and stuff, but... Well, I mean, he probably didn't have a family. He probably got pressed into service when he was, like, 18. Mm. But that makes it worse. You can have a family at 18, especially if you live in peasant medieval times. Okay, fair enough. Probably 14. Like, uh, you know... Romeo and Juliet? I was gonna say the Duke's Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's when they get pressed into service. So maybe he didn't have a family. But the important part is... Old Henry saved Regina from being truly evil by getting her to kill some random guy instead of Snow White. This is the weirdest gratuitous death in this episode, which has three random weird gratuitous deaths. Anyway, Regina's pissed off at her dad, so she shrinks him down and puts him in the heart box. You will remember that in the episode where we met Jefferson, the Mad Hatter, he was retrieving her father who was trapped in this little box. So now we've come full circle and we found out how he got trapped there in the first place. So that's nice. Yeah. Cool. 
that's a mystery we were all wondering about solved. I mean, it's not like the show went out of its way to tell us how it happened. It just nicely lined up. I'm okay with it. So, back at the graveyard, uh, Regina pours out the rest of the enchanted beer so she can talk to her father. I don't know why it works for her father and it didn't work for Hook. I think Hook's a captive of Hades at this point, so the roles are different for him. But old Henry shows up, and I love, this is a side thing, I love that Netflix captions him as valet still. Yes, because way back in the very first episode where we met him, we were not supposed to know that he was Regina's father until the twist at the end when she took his heart and crushed it because he is the thing she loves the most. So we were meant to think that he was just one of her servants. And Netflix, I guess, just never stopped captioning him like that, even though we are now five years later. So old Henry shows up and he's like, hey, I'm super proud of you for not being evil anymore. You shouldn't listen to your mother. You should stay here and keep on helping people. I'm sorry I was such a shitty dad and never like did anything to protect you from your mom. Also, I forgive you for killing me. Yeah, it's cool. We're fine. My life wasn't so great anyway. It wasn't. It really wasn't. He did not have a good life. He spent his whole life serving either Cora or Regina. It looked like he was briefly having fun when he was played by that young hot actor when his dad was trying to sell him into marriage to the highest bidder. Wow, Henry really hasn't had agency at any point in his life. I mean, I guess I don't blame him for not being able to protect Regina. Oh, but now we're getting into, like, nothing is ever anyone's fault territory. We are. So the beer wears off and his ghost disappears. He flies up into the air in a way that made me think that talking to Regina had resolved his unresolved issues and he was going up to heaven, but that is not what happened yet. Yeah, I think I think the beer just wore off, the ghost beer. Okay. So I can see, like, I, I was with you when we were watching it initially, but now I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Although it's weird that the ghost beer wouldn't just bring you physically there. If you're in hell. Yeah. I mean, was he just standing in whatever part of hell he was in not doing anything when his ghost got summoned? Uh, yes. <sighs> I know, it's weird. Don't think about it too hard. Anyway, back in the flashback, Regina confronts Cora and talks about how basically she doesn't want her there. She's like, Mom, I can get my own revenge myself. And Cora's like, really? Because it seemed like you suck at it really hard. And Regina's like, well, you're not so great at it either because you got tricked by old Henry. Yeah, old Henry, who is possibly the stupidest character in this show. A show that involves both David and Mary Margaret. Right? But Regina's like, Mom, this is something I have to do for myself. You need to get shoved back in the mirror. And Cora's like, you're not powerful enough to shove me in the mirror. And Regina's all... Oh yeah? Well, there's someone else who's willing to lend a hand. And then Sydney shoots out a magic CGI mirror hand. A that... thing that we have never before seen him do. Good for him, I guess, having this weird mirror hand power. Anyway, he pulls Cora into the mirror and Regina tells her that this time the portal will be sealed so that even she cannot go through it. To punish her... Cora bamps the father box, the box she, the box Regina has trapped her tiny father in, into her hands and brings it with her to Wonderland. So now we know the origin of the Mad Hatter 
mission to Wonderland to save Regina's tiny father story. Yep. All right. That that all wrapped up nicely. Are we done for this week? Uh, no. We 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 still have we still have so much to go. <laughs> Weirdly enough, they jam a lot of story into the last ten minutes of this episode. Story that possibly could have been saved for later. I know we were talking about how nice it would be if they weren't uh, spinning their wheels so much, but there was a lot of plot here. You probably could have ended this early. No one would have blamed you if you just wanted to go outside for the last 10 minutes or so. (laughs) Yes, they should have ended class before the bell. Yes. So, back in hell. They're in the part of hell that's a portal to super hell. And old Henry is standing at the edge of the pit to super hell. Cora summons the fire that takes you to super hell and then bamps away because she's a James Bond villain. Yeah, she doesn't want to actually watch him die. She just wants to make sure it's going to happen. Definitely. Him extra die. Yeah, super die. But after Cora leaves, the fire goes away and old Henry is like, wait, it's all cool now because I saw that you were willing to sacrifice me yet again in order to be a hero, so now my business is done and I can go into the light. This time you were willing to sacrifice me to be a hero instead of trying to sacrifice me to be a villain. Therefore, I get to go to heaven. Isn't that neat? It's where I belong, and because because I redeemed you, I get to go to heaven, and young... And young Henry is there like, I'm sorry, you redeemed her? I put in all the redemption heavy lifting here, old man. I was the one who had to live through the same day over and over again until mom decided to stop being such an awful person. Except he doesn't say that because he's a good kid. Instead, he's like, Grandpa, I'm so glad you believed in mom just like I do. Bye, Grandpa. Enjoy heaven, asshole. It's weird how he calls him Grandpa right away. He knows he's never going to have to see this guy again. I'm just saying, Henry gets super familiar with people as soon as he finds out they're blood-related. It, it's not great. It's not a, It's not the best quality. Yeah. But Henry clearly doesn't have a ton of investment in this. He's just like, bye. And old Henry's like, thank you for doing literally all of the work. I get to go to heaven now! Technically, his last words are, take good care of her. And then he ha- he is milking this exit, by the way. Oh He's like, goodbye, Regina. I love you. Never forget who you really are. And then he walks into the glowing light. So everyone gathers back on the main street. And Regina again recaps the good news that her father went to heaven instead of super hell. If anyone deserved to be in the medium place, it was old Henry. Yeah, right? I guess the fact that he could be redeemed means anyone can be redeemed. And that's sort of going to, they they sort of set that up as what the plot for this season's going to be. Yeah, they say that basically they're going to go around and help everyone finish their unfinished business so that they can all ascend to heaven. That's not what the plot ends up being. Yeah. That kind of would have been cool. We could have revisited characters who died that we liked. I mean, they sort of do that for a few characters, but I mean, it's not really the plot. I mean, Rumpel shows up and is like, that's dumb. That is super dumb. You're on your own. I'm going to go wander around doing whatever. But Henry does have to name this new mission because that's what he does. And he comes up with the first actually good name other than Operation Mongoose. Operation Firebird, which at least does sound super cool. And Emma's like, oh, did you name it after the uh, 
the mythical bird or after the car and henry's like we're trying to bring someone back from the dead what do you think and regina notices that the clock tower even though it is crushed in the middle of main street has ticked it has it has moved a little just as it did when emma first showed up yeah it's kind of a neat reference to the first season it's a nice full circle moment that would be better if we just ended it right there or if we just ended it at the next part where Cora walks into the broken and abandoned library and steps into a secret elevator. It even could have ended one shot later when the secret elevator is going super fast down. Either one of these two points would have been, would have been a good place to end it. Honestly, it is real end of Lord of the Rings up in here where it keeps giving us more and more endings and, and each one has a progressively less good payoff. Yes. So, Korra walks into this cave where there's five different colors of water leading to this little island thing where there's a peasant woman who's doing somebody's feet. Yeah, there is a woman giving a guy a pedicure. You might remember this guy from a lot of different stuff. Ali McBeal? Personally, I remember him as... uh, the father of the serial killer from Raising Hope. Oh, okay. I but, didn't watch Raising Hope, so. Yeah, he's one of those characters who's in everything. You will recognize him. And he's someone I genuinely like. Except in this show. Yes, this uh, this actor is uh, perennial hey, it's that guy, Greg German. You know him from stuff. He's usually better than this. He's fine. He's fine here. Fine. Well, I mean, he's not really sure what to do here. He doesn't know if he should do a James Wood impression from Hercules or if he should do, like, a real Rumpelstiltskin scenery-chewing evil villain or if he should do his own thing. In case you missed it from the fact that we're in hell, he's Hades. This is Hades. Hades. So my main takeaway from this scene and from basically everything he does from this point on is why will nobody give this man direction? Who directed these? Because he very clearly needs direction here. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Anyway, he's mad at Cora because Cora was supposed to get Regina out of hell and she failed to do that. So he punishes Cora by turning her back into a miller's daughter and sending her off to deliver her flower. Which, what is the enforcement wing here in hell? Oh no, I was going to say, oh no, what's he going to do? Send her to more hell? Although I guess there is a super hell, so. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, as he watches her go deliver her flower, he stands up so that he can line up his head to make the CGI easier, and his hair starts burning really, really cheap blue. This is an effect we will see very, very, not very often, because it's it, bad. It's bad, and they don't want to emphasize it. I, I, I don't. I don't blame them. So, this this episode we complained a lot, but this episode is actually really solid until the very last bit. Okay, let's so let's talk about fashion, which uh, is just Regina all day, every day. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be all Regina. I I really like her uh, party outfit, the her- split birthday dress was so cute it's a lot it was a lot less ornate than her costumes usually are but it really worked it had less structure than her costumes usually do it was just 
I mean, at its core, it was just a wrap dress with one side of the wrap dress being black and one side being red. But yeah, it was great. It kind of worked as I know it wasn't a direct callback to her mom's uh, Queen of Hearts outfit, but it did kind of remind me of uh, card theme. Yeah, it kind of had a Harlequin thing, which definitely goes with the Queen of Hearts. So we're going to bring back an old segment. Oh, you didn't tell me about this. You're going to spring this on me? I am going to spring this on you. Okay, go ahead. What this show should have been instead. Okay. And I don't think they should have gone to hell right away. You think the first episode at least should have been about planning to get to hell and getting back? No, no. See, I like what they did with Emma at the beginning of the episode. And I think we should have had each character have their own separate pre-hell encounter leading them into hell each character should have talked to a significant ghost from their past before going to hell like that episode of buffy conversations with dead people which makes sense because this episode's called souls of the departed it would have worked really well yeah and yeah. you still could have had regina talk to her dad emma talk to neil uh david could have talked to his mom snow could have talked to one of her parents you could have had an illuminating conversation with someone trying to warn or prepare or so forth like neil did to emma it wouldn't have all been warnings but you could have played with that a little more and i feel like that would have been an interesting lead-in and you could have saved some of the material for later you could have had david talking to james and that could have been interesting yeah they honestly don't share that much screen time even in this season huh yeah that would have been good i would have been yes that would have been a good what this show should have been instead. I think that they should have set up how they were going to get in and out of hell before they went to hell so that the weird half an hour ticking clock that we briefly had and then didn't have could have been a thing that we had for a few episodes where we had a ticking clock to get hook and get out of hell that we didn't know we were going to miss. Like, when you say the ferryman is leaving in half an hour, we know that this is the first episode of the season. We're not going to make that clock. It's not going to be the last season of How I Met Your Mother, where the whole thing takes place over a weekend. God, I hope not. The whole 22 episodes take place over one weekend. Do not get me started on the last season of How I Met Your Mother. That could be a whole podcast on its own. If you want to hear me get really angry, we could do a whole podcast where we just talk about all of the episodes in the last season of How I Met Your Mother. We need the to... final episode of that podcast would just be me screaming for 22 minutes. See, we need 44, like... it's a two-parter. We need like infinite free time so we can just do all of the podcasts we want to do. That would be amazing. If you'd like to encourage our uh, goal of infinite podcasts... Yes, you could donate to our Patreon. This show is partially listener-supported. You can go to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. You can also listen to past episodes while you're there. We have some other cool things for our patrons up on our Patreon, like deleted tangents from this podcast, or me reading you fairy tales. Oh boy, do we have deleted tangents. Yeah, we do. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It's a good way to uh, support the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Hell.